Thanks, Mandy. Anyone had a coffee this morning? Anyone? A few people have already had a coffee this morning. Well done. You can have one afterwards as well. But uh, I have my favourite coffee mugs. I don't know if you've got that in your household. But for me, I've got my favourites. I've got a couple of them here. These are my favourite ones. If they're not available, it means I haven't done the dishwashing for a while. Uh, but uh, these are my favourite ones. This one, unfortunately, is broken. Bob up the back on sound gave me this one uh, because I, uh, I commented in a series on Leviticus that this wasn't a coffee cup verse, so he put it on there for me. A man who has lost his hair and is bald is clean. There you go. That's Leviticus 13, verse 40. Uh, that's one of my favourites. This is another one of my favourites, this one here. It's got absolutely nothing on it at the moment, but only because I've used it so many times. Uh, one of my sons bought me this one with my favourite, one of my favourite bands on it. Dave will know the Descendants that was on there. It was beautiful. Uh, and I, I still think of the Descendants that as I watch and uh, as, I, as I get the coffee out of that mug. I love it. Uh, that's one of my favourites as well. And this one here, this one, I made a couple of these, one for my wife, Kel, and, and myself. This is about 10 years ago when we went on a holiday, and this was out the front of the Golden Guitar, and all the kids are playing guitars, fake air guitars, outside the Golden Guitar, and I've written on it, a rocking family on the bottom. Now, I know there's a few Pharisees in the building, right? So you know that that's not rock music up there, is it? It's country. Okay, so correction made. Nonetheless, uh, a rocking family. That's another one of my favourites. Now... They're my three favourite coffee mugs. If they're not available, well, I'll just have to use another one. But it's not quite as good when I'm using a different coffee mug. But as you noticed, at least two of these are, well, not what they used to be. They're a little bit destroyed. This one here from Bob can't be used at all. I tried fixing it. Uh, It might be about my skill more than anything else. Nonetheless, I couldn't fix it. And this one, I can't bring the picture back on it. It's gone. And uh, you know that the coffee mugs that you love sometimes break as well. It's always going to happen at the end of the day. The mug that you love is easily broken. And frankly, it's easily replaced too, right? Easily replaced. I mean, you can go to Kmart and get a decent one for $2. $2 you can go to Kmart and get a a decent coffee mug that'll last you a little bit of time. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. (laughs) this could get dangerous I'm going to keep going Uh, they're easily made and unfortunately they're easily broken aren't they they're easily made easily broken and easily repeated uh, easily easily replaced but today in the book of 2 Corinthians are we going to see that our lives are much like coffee mugs we might find ourselves to be broken or even smashed or cracked and yet The treasure that lies within this cracked vessel is of such glory that God wants to use us for his purposes. We find our place in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we've had a break for a couple of weeks from the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, But what we've already found in this series, in the first three weeks of this series, is that God's power is found, as it says behind me, in weakness. Uh, The problem was for the people of Corinth to whom the Apostle Paul wrote is that they looked for power in people. Let's find the most powerful communicator. Let's find the people that can do the most amazing things. And we'll find power in them. But Paul writes to say to them, no, actually, there is only God's power through weakness. It seems counterintuitive in a world that loves power. But power only comes 
through weakness. This morning, we're going to see just how our lives are like those coffee mugs, and we're going to see how God uses us for his glory. It's an awesome section of scripture, and for the next two weeks, chapter 4 and 5, we could spend weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks in these two chapters because they're absolutely full of gold, and I'm really excited to bring them to you. In the meantime, I'm almost about to pray. Before I do, you can ask a question this morning at slido.com, and the hashtag is HB for Helensburg and SP for Stanwell Park. I'm going to pray. uh, Oh man, my brain's fried this morning. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, your word to us. Uh, We ask please that you might uh, calm me this morning, help me to speak clearly, that you'd help us all to uh, understand your word uh, so that we might go from here uh, ready to serve you and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Moses, he saw the face of God or the robe of God and as a result had a glowing face. Moses parted the Red Sea as a result of God's work through him. Moses saw the plagues of Egypt happen, amazing things that happened in Egypt by his power through what God had done in him. And yet 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where we left off last time, teaches us that the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ today is more glorious than the ministry that Moses had. To such a degree that it's like comparing the light bulb that you have beside your bed to the sun that's in the sky, thankfully, today. The ministry we have is like that sun. The ministry of Moses is like that light bulb. The ministry we have is more glorious than that of Moses. And so we pick it up in chapter 4, where Paul begins in verses 1 to 6 to speak about just how simple... This glorious gospel ministry is. Look at chapter 4, verse 2. We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Paul says, the ministry that I conduct is not a disgraceful, underhanded, cunning ministry. I refuse to do it that way. I refuse to take God's word and manipulate it for my own benefit. Now, of course, the opponents of Paul in the city of Corinth were saying these things about him. They were saying he was doing these exact things, disgraceful things, underhanded things, cunning things, uh, twisting God's word for his own benefit. And yet, ironically, as we'll find out later in this book, this is exactly what those leaders, the super apostles in the city of Corinth, were doing. And yet it's important for us to recognise, isn't it, that this sort of activity still happens in our world today. At whatever level the gospel ministry happens, it is very easy for people to edit God's word, to change it to take the less palatable parts and make them more palatable, to get rid of the hard bits, to teach God's word around the dinner table as a family or as a pastor in front of a congregation and everything in between in order to gain favour with the hearers. Sometimes this means to de-emphasise things like sin and judgment. Sometimes this means to emphasise other areas of theology. And make wrongful emphases on these things. 
And for some, it's all about reputational gain. What can they get out of it? For others, it's about financial gain. For others, it's about a gain of some other sort. But Paul says this is not gospel ministry. It's not underhanded. It's not cunning. It's not disgraceful. It's not manipulating God's word for benefit. No, the ministry of God's word, the ministry of the glorious gospel is actually very simple. Look at verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. The glorious ministry of the gospel starts with speaking. Not particularly amazing. Speaking of an amazing reality. Of Jesus, his death and resurrection. This is the simple gospel ministry. Not about self-promotion, but about service of others. In fact, in verse 5, where Paul says in the second half of verse 5, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake, he actually uses a shocking word. He says ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. See, it's the words spoken to people about the death and resurrection of Jesus, that is the glorious ministry that's even more glorious than the ministry of Moses. And this is the ministry that's been given to us. When the gospel, when the word of God is spoken today, good things happen. Why? Because God does his work through us. I've used this analogy many, many times here in in this church. But it's like uh, preparing a meal for your family. As you prepare a meal for your family, many of them will be, well, not as good as you would like them to be. You put them on the table if you're anything like me and you find that, well, some bits get rejected. Some bits get put back in the kitchen. They shouldn't, but they do. It's because the meal's not as good as some of those wonderful ones that you have at the best restaurants in town. Sometimes there's great memorable meals, other times there's forgettable ones. But each one of them, as you take that food in and you receive that energy, does you good. And so it is when we hear God's word, when we take God's word in, it does us good on every possible occasion. And so when you speak God's word in a Bible study group to other people, it's doing them good. When you speak God's word to a neighbour or a friend who hasn't heard God's word before, it's doing good. When you speak after church today of God's word one to another, it's doing that person good. For sure, we feel like when we have a wonderful experience or enter into a great atmosphere or hear a fantastic speaker speak that we move forward in our relationship with God at light speed, but... We do on every occasion when we hear God's word spoken. Because this is how God works gloriously through his word. Look at verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. When God's word is spoken simply, the death and resurrection of Jesus is spoken simply. God works gloriously to bring light out of darkness, to bring hope and light into our hearts, to make us a new creation, as we'll see next week. 
It's not about the strength of a person's words, but the strength of God through those weak words. It's about the content of the death and resurrection of Jesus, about God's place in our lives. And when we speak this word, God is at work. This has always been his strategy. God's strategy is by this simple ministry of speaking his word one to another. And we see God's strategy further at play in verses 7 to 12. And we see it clearly that God's power is is displayed in weakness. Look at verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. God's strategy has always been to take weak and powerless individuals and shine his light through them for his glory. This is the analogy that Paul uses in verse 7. He says we are jars of clay. Now for us, we don't have too many jars of clay around, but we've got plenty of coffee mugs, don't we? Plenty of coffee mugs that are broken and cracked and afflicted and weak. As another writer puts it, a good example of this, uh, this theme that's here is the, the humble plastic bag. It gets a hole in it. You can't use it. The handles fall off. Your life is like a a plastic bag or a coffee mug or a a, a, a jar of clay. All of us are like this in some way. Broken and cracked and afflicted and weak. and, And yet, for those of us that know the Lord Jesus, we carry within us the treasure of the gospel of Christ. See, the whole point of us being weak is that God's strength might be seen through us. As the second half of verse 7 says, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Now, at this point, we can subtly take what verse 7 is saying and make it more about the jar, uh, the jar of clay than it is about the God who puts his treasure within us. We subtly say to ourselves, I need to be weaker. I need to be seen to be weak. I need to find myself some affliction. But again, we've just subtly turned it around so that it becomes about us, not about what God is doing through us. The point here is not about our weakness, but about God's strength in the midst of our weakness. God works through weak, broken people like us but the focus is on him on his power on his power that is a surpassing power that he uses as we speak words into this world about Jesus and what he has done for us see if you do feel weak and powerless if you do feel afflicted and broken and cracked and you feel like these uh, coffee mugs that are here in front of us And you're not alone. 
Nonetheless, God is ready to use you for his purposes. He is entrusted to you if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, his great treasure of the gospel within you, so that through those cracks, his great power might be seen. Paul says, as he preaches, he finds hardship and affliction and difficulty everywhere, even almost close death in verses 10 to 12. And yet he says, in and through this, God brings life. See, the principle is this, through death, God brings life. Through hardship, God brings life. Through affliction, God brings life. Through difficulty, God brings life. Now, this principle of life arising out of death is not a new one, is it? It's actually the very embodiment of the Christian message. From the cross, where Jesus dies, there comes life. And as we follow in the footsteps of our Saviour, we will not be surprised to find that this is the pattern for our own life. In weakness and affliction and difficulty and perhaps even in the face of death comes the life that God can bring, both to ourselves and others. See, when we, in our own personal weakness, affliction and difficulty, bring the word of God to our spouse or to our children, or to a small group Bible study, or to a kids' ministry, youth ministry, to our workmates, or to a friend down the street, whoever it is. As we bring that word of the gospel of Christ to one another in this building and the community around us, we are involved in the glorious, life-giving ministry of Jesus where God's power is seen. We often think, don't we, as we've said throughout this series, that God's power is to be found in the miraculous things, the wondrous things. But God says here in verse 7 that the power that he has is to be seen through weakness. And so Paul says in verses 13 to 15, this is why I continue to speak. Look at verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. This is why Paul continues to speak this treasure. Here in verse 13, he quotes from Psalm 116 where the writer sings a song to God because he has been spared from death by God's gracious hand. And so because he's been spared from death, he cannot help but speak about it. I wonder if you've ever been in that situation, spared from death. I never have, that's for sure, but my dog has. You might remember, if you've been with us for a little while, that uh, my dog was stuck in the bush from New Year's Day for 16 days, just this little tiny thing stuck in the bush for 16 days in the heat of summer. We thought she was gone for sure. However, she was herded into someone's backyard and found with ticks and, and leeches all over her and she's now still at my house next door right now, probably barking her head off 
uh, imagining that you're all in here. That's why she's barking. I love to tell the story of how she was saved from death. It's a great story to tell. I reckon it might make the news if I went that far with it. It's an excellent story to tell. She was delivered from death and I want to tell the story. And she's just a dog. Imagine if that was us. Imagine if we had this near-death experience to tell about and God spared us from it. How much more would we be ready to speak of it? And this is what Paul says in verse 13. I have been delivered, the psalmist says, and so I speak. And Paul says, I'm the same. I have been delivered and so I speak. Now, of course, God does not promise to deliver us from every human affliction in this world. That would make no sense. If God works his power through our weakness, and we had no weaknesses because God fixed them all, well, it doesn't make any sense, does it? God may deliver us now and he may be gracious to deliver us from our present circumstances and that would be a wonderful thing and for some he does. But not always. But we do know this and verse 14 makes it clear that God is the God of the resurrection. God is the God of the resurrection who will ultimately raise each and every follower of the Lord Jesus to perfect and complete health, not just now but forever. Because life is littered, isn't it, with illness and sickness and hardship and suffering and affliction and grief and death. But God is the God of the resurrection who has delivered us in Jesus Christ and will ultimately deliver us when Jesus returns or when we go to be home with him. And so Paul says, I have been delivered. I will be delivered. I believed and so I spoke. Uh, This is why I speak this message this treasure of the gospel, because I've been delivered by the God of the resurrection. See, God delights to use us. He delights to use us in our weakness. He delights to use us in our affliction. He delights to use us in our stumbling words. Because if he can use us, he can do anything. The church is, of course, an army of weak people. A cavalry of the afflicted. And yet he delights to use us, giving us value and purpose and giving him glory as he shines his light, the treasure of the gospel through our weak, weak, cracked lives. The glory belongs to him. And so Paul finishes in the very same way that he started. You might have noticed that I ignored at the very beginning verse 1. Because in verse 1 and verse 16 we see the same phrase there again look at verse 1 and then verse 16 therefore having this ministry by the mercy of God we do not lose heart and in verse 16 we see the same thing we do not lose heart it can be so easy to lose heart can't it as we speak the message of the word of God to others they may not accept it Perhaps it's our own children that won't accept it. Perhaps it's those kids that you teach that won't accept it. Perhaps it's in the youth work that you conduct that they won't accept it. Perhaps it's that neighbour down the street that's not accepting the word of God from you and it's easy to lose heart. It's easy for us to think, it's not working what I'm doing. 
My life is not as it should be, so I can't possibly speak of God's goodness in it. Uh, My skills of speaking are actually no good. But Paul says, no, we do not lose heart. Because even though we are cracked and afflicted, even though we are broken and sinful, God is using us for his glory. Look at verse 16 again. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not only to the things that are seen but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. Though our outward bodies are wasting away, for those of us that know Christ, God is renewing our inward self day by day preparing us for a future glory that will be beyond any comprehension. This is the hope for us all who are in Christ. And so though while we are in this body, we may exercise well and eat well and seek to make good dress choices and therefore fit into our dress choices and put products on our face and our body and all of this, at the end of the day, we are, from the moment we're born, wasting away. Yet in Christ, we are being renewed day by day. In the end, we are a cheap mug. And though we are a cheap mug, God puts his treasure within this cheap mug. And it would be easy for us to focus on this vessel, whether it is through exercise or eating well or all those other things that are good things. But it would be wrong for us to focus on the vessel itself and forget the treasure that God has placed inside of it. Because God is saying here in verse 16 and 17 that though we are a cracked and broken coffee mug, one day the God of the resurrection will see to it that this mug is repaired, restored, resurrected, perfect. And for now, we're cracked and broken for a reason. We're cracked and broken so that, as verse 7 says, everyone might know that the surpassing power of the gospel of Christ belongs to God and not to us. And so we do not lose heart. Though we are cracked, though we are broken, though we are weak, though we are afflicted, God is ready to work through us powerfully as we speak his word one to another in a ministry that is more glorious than anything Moses ever did or that anyone else will ever do this is designed by paul to be a great encouragement to us this is to spur us on this is to encourage us that god is at work amongst us even this very day so take god's word in all of the weakness of yourself and share it with others It doesn't have to be the person down the street that's a mad atheist that's going to bash you up about it. It just has to be the person sitting around you this morning. Encourage them. Challenge them with God's word. Speak to them that they might grow in Christ even just today for when you do, God is at work through you. A cracked coffee mug, just like me. Or you might like to ask a question or two. Now's the time to do it. I'm going to give you about two minutes to uh, get onto slido.com. The hashtag is HBSP, and I'm going to ask, uh, answer a question or two in just a minute. Let's take a couple of minutes to do that.
All right, there's a couple of questions here. Thank you for asking them. Uh, the first one, Paul says, we do not lose heart, but this seems to be the very thing we do do. Uh, how can we keep going despite heartache? Uh, absolutely. This is, this is, I guess, the point of, of this passage. It's very easy for us to focus ourselves in on our circumstances and our, and our broken crackedness. Uh, it's very easy to do. Uh, and that's why we get down. Uh, we say, oh, I can't do it, or I'm not good enough, or all these sorts of uh, things that we say to ourselves. Uh, but that's what the point of this passage is about. That though we are like that, God still continues to work through us. 